0: Hey everybody. I want to tell you about an upcoming series we're calling Harvest. And let me tell you, you don't want to miss it. Everybody needs to be there. It's going to be two weeks long. And November 22nd, we're going to do something that's unique to our church. And I want you to be there. Whatever you do, mark your calendars. November 22nd, you're not going to want to miss what we have planned. We'll see you there. Indeed, we will see you there. There's an old saying, many of you know it. It goes something like this You can lead a horse to water, but. You can't make a drink. You can make a I think she thought there was a buzzer. Like. I've got this one! You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. What's true? It or not. You can lead churches to the well, but you can't make them draw the bucket. In Mark chapter 3, Jesus uh, is just beginning his ministry. I mean, we are talking about just beginning his ministry. Uh, things that, that we haven't seen yet. He's not raised anybody from the dead yet. I mean, he hasn't fed the 5,000 yet. I mean, we are about to see a, an unexplored thing happening with Jesus. I mean, we are talking about Jesus here, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Son of David, uh, the, 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 the one who was there at the very beginning when, like, stuff was created. Are you with me on this? Like... Like, all of this has yet to have happened. And and there Jesus is, and he's about to do some incredible stuff. And his family comes in. You know what they say to Jesus? Um, Sorry, everybody. He's crazy. Let's, Let's take him outside. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Come on. They begin to treat Jesus almost like he's a little puppy. They say he's out of his mind twice. This happens. (laughs) And later on, Jesus goes back to his hometown. And maybe you recognize what happens when Jesus goes back to his hometown. The scriptures say that even Jesus, this magnificent leader, the Son of God, doesn't do any miracles there because the people lacked faith. You see, you can lead a horse to water, you can lead a church to the well, but you can't make them draw the (coughs) bucket. I had the privilege several years ago to be a part of a church, and um, we were trying to think outside of the box. (coughs) It was a church not entirely unlike White, Iowa, in a small town, and, and the church was fairly small, and we were trying to think of what is it that we can do to try and multiply ministry? Uh, what can we do to, to really think outside the box to see God do some incredible things? And, and there was a sister church just 10 miles away, and we said, well, what if? What if we became one church? And so we began to explore that idea and over the course of the next two years, believe it or not, uh, we had all sorts of conversations and the leaders started having conversations and we began praying over it and even fasting over this and we said, God, if you'll lead us to the next step, we'll go the next step. And so uh, each each rung on the ladder, we would just go the next step and the next step and the next step. And we began to to have meetings with uh, all of our congregation and all of their congregation and we did Preacher swaps and, and we had uh, uh, different things going on so that people could mingle and get to know one another. And then the day, the day came when, when we were gonna have a vote. Their church would vote, our church would vote when we become one church so that we could share resources and God could do something incredible in that part of the world. It fails. By a couple of books. it was painful. <coughs> even with both leaderships on board, even with all the prayer and work that had gone in, sometimes you can lead churches to the well, but you can't make them draw the book. In Hebrews thirteen, we're, we're completing this series in Hebrews thirteen strength for the journey and I hope what you have found uh, in the course of this, this study uh, throughout the Hebrews it, it is that that God is challenging our faith, isn't he? I mean, he's asking us he is, he is pushing us uh, He is pleading with us to take those extra uncomfortable steps to just uh, to grow to become strong in faith, right? And this last chapter of Hebrews is absolutely no different. What we find in Hebrews chapter 13 is, is that the community of faith is being, is being asked one last time to consider several areas of their life in which they can grow their faith. If you're following along in the Q Bible in front of you, it's going to be uh, page 845. We're going to be in Hebrews 13. Some extraordinary things happening. This community of faith is being asked the question, what does it mean to be a great follower? What does it mean to be a great follower? You see, great churches often have great leaders, but they also have great followers. And this community is being asked, what does it take What does it take to be a great follower? If you open up to this passage, it begins with all sorts of things like love one another. If you want to grow in your faith, uh, you need to look at the person next to you, sitting across from you in the pew, across the aisle from you. Uh, You need to recognize that all the folks that are here and some that aren't, uh, you need to love them. He says, you you need to begin to love the marginalized. He points to those who are in prison. He says, hey, remember them. Take care of them. Not only do you need to love, uh, not only do you need to take care of the marginalized, uh, he he mentions the fact that that you need to be hospitable. He says this crazy thing in verse 2. He says, And don't forget to be hospitable, to entertain strangers, because some people have entertained angels and not known it. There's good motivation for you. Be hospitable. It might be an angel. You never know. He goes down and and he further begins to say, hey, avoid sexual immorality. The marriage bed. Your marriage bed needs to be pure and right. Right. He talks about money, he says, you know what, Uh, don't let your money own you, and you do that by by being content with what you have. All of those things, each one of them, we could probably uh, have an entire sermon series right here in Hebrews 13, but we won't. What's compelling to me in Hebrews 13, maybe more than all of those other things, is what happens in verse 7. He begins to say, You want strength for the journey. You want this growing, strengthening kind of faith. Notice <clears throat> what he says. He says, Remember your leaders. He's connecting faith with our leaders. He says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome, consider the results of their way of life and imitate their. Faith. That part of our faith journey is strengthening in faith is recognizing, looking hard at who our leaders are and imitating their faith. That our faith ought to be modeled after them. You know what? Well, leaders houses. <laughs> the and they're okay with that. You can peer into the pains of their life You can see them and test them. You can see the blessings in their life. You can see the struggles in their life. And and they approach all of that without regret. Consider their way of life. You know, it's true of my life that uh, the older I get, the more I try and identify with people who are older than me that I say, I want to be like them when I get older. I was visiting, even you know, with a couple this morning, and I said, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a guy that I work with, his name is David Haynes, uh, I think he's like 70 or 80 or 90 or something like that, <laughs> but I want to be like David, in 35 years, and 40 years, and 50 years, I want to be like David Haynes, he's just this wonderfully gentle, humble man, I want to consider his way of life and imitate what it is that he does. I want to say, I want to model myself after you. Because people see you and they recognize something about you. It says in Hebrews, consider, remember your leaders and consider the outcome, the result of their way of life and imitate their faith. Now several of you probably know the leaders in our church, but some of you probably don't. I want to take an opportunity to just let you know about some of our leaders, some of those you're supposed to consider and imitate their faith. Go ahead and show those. This is Dan. Many of you probably know Dan. Dan's been an elder here for a really long time. Can I I tell you something about Dan? Yes. I don't know if you've ever been around Dan when he begins to talk about the truth. Dan, if there was a word that that I could use to describe Dan, it would be passion. When I've had occasions when uh, we're praying together about Whitey Christian Church, about the people that sit in this room, more than on one occasion I've seen, as Dan, the, the passion wells up in Dan, the tears that are overflowing, as he just wants what's best for the church. I've seen on more than one occasion, as he's been willing to give his time and his effort and his energy to try and say, God, what is this that you would have for a whiting Christian church? Dan is a man that I can consider the outcome of his way of life and imitate his faith. Next slide. This is Charlie. I've not known Charlie a, a long time, but, uh, but if I were to use a word that describes Charlie, it would be this awareness. You see, uh, Charlie's not, not afraid to tell you a story about his life. And what comes bursting through with Charlie is, is that there was something old and there is something new. And, and what Charlie recognizes about life, life with Christ and life... Uh, in faith and trust in Him is that God is gracious and merciful and kind. And I can look at Charlie and know that when he looks out on the world he he doesn't see people as lost but he he recognizes the kind of hope that that is for everybody in Jesus. Jesus. I can look at Charlie and say, I can consider his way of life and imitate his face. Next slide. (laughs) This is Dave. I love Dave. You want to know what I love about Dave? One of the things that I love most about Dave is that he's this learner. He's a leader who wants to learn. Once in a while, that... I will, like, email all the elders and, and uh, like, packets of information, like, you ought to read this. Without a doubt, it's Dave almost always who approaches me first. He says, I've read all this. What Can you tell me about this? He's being challenged constantly to, to think about the next thing, to dig into the Word a little bit more and and so out of that comes this humility that says, I just want to learn. I want the text to shape my life. Without a shadow of a doubt, I can live a And I can say a big. I can consider your way of life and imitate your faith. Next slide. This is Josh. Josh and I get to work together in in an intimate way here on staff, and and it's fantastic. Uh, I love the passion, and if there was a word that I could describe Josh, it would be courageous. When asked to do something he's never done before, he said, I'm a little afraid, but I'm going to go after him. I'm going to go boldly. And I can look at Josh, and I can say, I will I will imitate your faith. Each man that's a a leader here, white Christian church, is one that I can unashamedly say to you, you can consider their way of life and imitate their faith. But that's not even the hard part. (coughs) Yes, you absolutely, great followers, great followers will... Well unashamedly look to their leaders and model their own faith after their leaders. But but that's not even the hard part. I look at verse 17 in this text. Verse 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden because that's of no advantage to you. As a young minister, I thought I knew everything. I'd come from Bible college, and I had gone through all the Bible classes, and I had done so many, you know, great things. And I thought, these guys don't know what they're talking about. And so I was a little bit of a maverick. I would probably say, well, yes, submission is a good thing, but I, after all, know more than they do, and so more often than not, I would probably go around with an attitude that said, well, I will go about doing what I want to do when I want to do it for the reasons that I say I want to do them for. And I don't need to submit. Because after all, I'm a Bible college graduate. I'll just ask forgiveness later. Have you ever done that? Have you ever approached authority figures maybe with the attitude of I'll, I'll do it and then ask forgiveness later? And yet this text confronts us with our own kind of attitude, doesn't it? Never once, never once did that ever turn out well. Can I tell you that? Not one time did it turn out well when I decided to go my own direction for whatever reasons I may have had. You see, here's what I failed to realize. And and perhaps something that you struggle with, with this word of submission. I failed to realize that submission is not about control. Submission is not about control, but about acceptance. Am I willing to accept their way of life and imitate their faith? Submission is not about control, but about acceptance. Now now hear this, hear this. If I am willing to submit to earthly leaders, I multiply my capacity to submit to the heavenly one. When I am willing to submit to earthly leaders, I multiply my capacity to submit to the heavenly one. God in his word is saying, be willing to consider and to imitate and to submit. Now perhaps, perhaps it is that the last time that the boat went around for... For opportunities for elders, you thought you should be one of the ones, and, and you weren't for whatever reason. And there's a little bitterness uh, that, that has grown up into your heart, and, and maybe what you desperately need instead of arguing, instead of questioning, is simply to come before the Lord and in your own trust of God say, I am going to submit. And perhaps, uh, maybe maybe it is that uh, you're saying to yourself, well, I've known these people for a really long time, way longer than you have. Maybe you've grown up with them. Maybe you've done business over the years with, with one of them, and you say, you know what? I know they're not perfect. Can I submit to you this? The author of Hebrews knows that. You see, leadership is not about perfection. It's about faithfulness. Timothy, when he talks about elders, doesn't use the word perfection. He talks about blamelessness. And what he's talking about is not that these men are perfect, not that they uh, get everything right all the time, but that they're constantly coming and looking and finding their direction with Jesus can I encourage you can I implore you can I, can I help you understand great leaders sometimes have great churches but great churches always have great followers what does it take to be a great follower part of it is submission submission when faithfulness is present in your leaders, the the conditions for disobedience to those same leaders disappear. Do you notice in verse 17 there's no conditional clause? Did you notice that? There's no conditional clause in verse 17. It just simply comes out and it says, obey and submit. It doesn't say this. It doesn't say, obey and submit if I like them. Right? It doesn't say obey and submit if their decisions agree with me. It doesn't say obey and submit as long as nothing too drastic changes for me.
1: It doesn't say obey and
0: submit as long as, for the most part, the direction of the church agrees with what I think should happen. No, it doesn't say any of that. If these are faithful leaders, If their life is worthy of being imitated, uh, then the text just unashamedly says, Submit and obey to their leadership. When leaders stand worthy of imitation, we as followers stand in submission to them. You want to know why I came here? Some of you have never asked, but let me tell you. Roughly three months ago, I came. I began preaching here regularly and have had a great time. I'm loving it. I love getting to know you. It's awesome. But you know really why I came? Because of the men who are your leaders. Because I didn't want to come and <laughs> preach unless I knew that I was willing, ready, and able to submit to the leadership of your church. That's why I'm here. I know that they care for me. I know that they're not here just so that uh, they can get something out of me. And then when they're done with me, they'll, they'll throw me to the curb. You know, I get calls. When I was in Nepal, uh, we had just experienced like a 7.8 earthquake or whatever it was. It's like three in the morning in Whiting Isle. I've been standing in, a, in a, a courtyard, watching as people are picking up bricks from the street so the cars can get by, and putting back in a rubbish pile. And my phone rings. You know who it is? Dan Neldeberg is calling me in Nepal at three in the morning, because he heard that there was an earthquake, and he knew that I was there. That's the kind of leadership that I can submit to. Because several years ago, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I had a, a a mentor who has passed away, Robert Lowder. I would do anything for Bob. <coughs> And it wasn't just because I had an opportunity to sit in his class and learn and and just be transformed by the word and how he used it. It was because Bob would call me. It's because Bob, when he saw me, would ask about my bride. It's because Bob uh, partnered with me in key decisions in my life. And it's because uh, when we finally were able to get pregnant with Lydia, And I went and told Bob. He celebrated with me. And when I graduated, it was Bob who brought me into his office and wrapped his arms around me and prayed for me. And he said, hey, don't let anybody know. And he slipped me some money. He said, I have a little slush fund for such things. I want you to have it. That's the kind of leadership that I can submit to. Notice the things that leaders are responsible for. You see, submission isn't easy, but it's necessary. (laughs) Recognize the things that leaders do. In verse 17, it says of leaders, they keep watch over you. It's a a night watchman term. It's someone who goes to the gate and is posted there and is sleepless and will go through agony to make sure that that the city is protected You know what your elders and your leaders are doing? They're in agony regularly because they're losing sleep. Not over what the stock market is doing. Not over who's the next president. They're losing sleep over you. They're losing sleep over what the direction of fighting Christian church needs to be. They're on their knees in prayer saying, God, what is it that you would have us do? Where are you? Help us to join you there. That's the kind of leadership I can submit to. Notice what else it says in verse 17. It says, they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Understand this, folks. Your leaders are not accountable first to you. They're not accountable to you first. They are accountable to the God in heaven first. And on that day, when Jesus comes the final time, and there is judgment to be had, it is your leaders who have to stand before God and give an account of your spiritual life. Some translations say they are accountable to your souls, for your souls. This is the kind of weight that your leaders carry every single day. What they lose sleep over is maybe not what you lose sleep over. And so you have this incredible opportunity, don't you? And you have a choice to make. You know what good followers do? Good followers chase chances. They chase chances to model their faith after their leaders. And they welcome opportunities to submit. Great followers will chase the chance to model their faith after their leaders. And they'll welcome opportunities to submit. And so you have a choice. This last week I was talking with another pastor friend of mine and and we were talking about uh, an area where we had both uh, uh, unknowingly ministered And there's this small town, very small town, in Lima, Illinois. And there was a little church there, and a church uh, that once had thrived uh, at this point in time had had only 30 to 40 people in it on a regular Sunday. 30 to 40, 30 to 40. And the leadership had decided, you know what, we don't have a critical mass to reach our neighborhoods. What could we do? And so they decided uh, that there was a larger church in the area, and they said, what if we gave them the keys to the church, to the building? What if we liquidated our funds? Uh, What if we gave them uh, our full backing and said, "Uh, will you help us reach the community for the sake of the kingdom? Would you you be willing to do that? And the church came back and said, yes, absolutely, uh, but you need to know it's not going to be anything like what was so the, the leaders came to the church and said alright King, there's 30 or 40 of us and this can go one way or another either half of us will agree with this plan and we'll split a church that's only 30 in number and we'll go 15 and 15 or we will do something in favor of the kingdom and we're asking that you would submit to this plan. You know what happened? The church did not Today, Sunday morning, November 8th, that church runs over 200 in the same community, in the same building that before had only 30. Why? Because there were great followers willing to listen to the vision of leaders who are worthy of imitation? You see, good followers chase the chains to model their faith after their leaders. And they welcome opportunities to submit. And so the choice is yours. The choice in the text is simply this. You will be a burden to your leaders or you will be a joy to them notice what it says in the text. Obey them. Why? So that their work will be a joy and not a burden. For that would be of no advantage to you. So you get to decide. You get to decide with your mouth and what you say to your leaders. You get to decide with your feet. You get to decide with your service and the kinds of hands-on projects that you're willing to do. You get a vote. And the choice is yours. Will you be great followers? Will you have your leaders have joy or burden? Because you are following. Let's pray. Gracious God, you're good to us. Your word challenges us in ways that we don't like being challenged, and I pray for all those within sound of my voice that you will open up lives. And you will help us all, all of us, to grow in our faith, to be strengthened in who you are, and to submit in the right places. Help us to follow well. Help us to follow well. So that our leaders' lives are joys, and not burden. We love you. In Jesus' name.